when I was uh, growing up in church, we would always uh, go on Sunday morning and the pastor would stand up and he would say to the congregation, he is risen, and the congregation would respond with great boldness, he is risen indeed. And so can you relive that childhood memory with me right now, if you don't mind, right? So I will say he is risen and your congregation response is he is risen indeed. He is risen is risen indeed. Amen. And that's why we gather here this morning. My name's Michael, one of the pastors here, and I am privileged this morning to be able to open God's word up for us as we remember that uh, monumental day of history that has marked history for all of these years of Jesus' resurrection. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, and if you don't have a Bible, you might find a Bible uh, there on one of the seats next to you, Uh, and if you can't find one there, you're welcome to use your phone. Uh, As long as you're reading the Bible on your phone, we'll allow you to do that this morning, Uh, but you can look it up on your device there, or if you don't want to do that, just nuzzle up against someone, introduce yourself first, and then lean into them and uh, look on their copy of God's Word. But we will be looking at several verses this morning uh, from the book of Romans. It's there in the New Testament. You might be familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then you'll hit the book of Acts and then the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, I'd like to read starting in verse 9. The Apostle Paul is the author of this and Uh, Through the power of the Spirit, he wrote these words. He said, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. On Friday evening, we gathered as a church family to remember Good Friday, to remember Jesus' death and the crucifixion. We can only imagine what it must have been like for Jesus' followers there on that Saturday morning to wake up and face the reality that the one whom they had given up uh, their lives, for some of them given up their livelihoods, uh, that he was gone that they had taken his body, and as Gina read earlier, the women had, had they had gone to the tomb. The, the women, it was the women who saw Jesus' body put there in the tomb on that Friday late afternoon. So we can only imagine the, the despair. We can only imagine the grief and the sadness of that Saturday, and even going into that Sunday morning, the worry and the concern, the questions and the confusion. 
even if I might say, maybe for some of Jesus' followers, the reality of disappointment, the reality of, of that disappointment, of, of thinking, I had hoped in him, in Jesus, and now he's gone. What are we do, to do now? But then on early on that third day, on that Sunday morning, as we heard the scripture passage read for us a few moments ago, the women, they were the ones first to go to the tomb. They were going there to honor Jesus, to prepare his body there as far as the burial with the spices. And as they arrive, they find an angel sitting there. The stone has been rolled away from the entrance of that tomb and they come to realize that Jesus is not there. That Jesus walked out of the grave. And that's why we gather on this Easter Sunday morning. This is the story of Easter. A story that has been buried by Easter eggs and bunnies. It's a reality that Jesus, God in human flesh, died in our place. And on the third day, fulfilled his promise that he would rise again. So this morning, I say to you, happy, not only happy Easter Sunday, but more importantly, happy Resurrection Sunday. Because this morning, we do not just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, but as we gather here, we actually, we are declaring it to be true. And we tell the world, just as Jesus gave that instruction to those women, go and tell the, go and tell the boys, <laughs> right? Go and tell the guys that, that I'm alive. And that message has continued to echo to this day. And we carry on that message. For as the, sun, as the morning sun crept over the horizon on that third day, the stone that enthroned, entombed Jesus, rather, was rolled away. Jesus walked out of the tomb in his resurrected body, leaving behind the darkness, swallowing up death and victory, and removing the sting of death. You see, as followers of Jesus, those who believe in this resurrection, we know that our entire lives is built on this very fact. That Jesus is alive. That the resurrection is a reality. Our faith in Christ is only as good as the tomb is empty. And so today's a, a day that's filled with hope. Today, think about, think about the about face that those women, as they're, as they're going to the tomb, expecting to find a dead body, only to find a risen Savior. And imagine how their disappointment is now turned to joy and great confidence. This morning, as we consider this passage now, right? Can, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13, it, it now gives us, it calls for a response. Because we do. We need to respond to this reality. We, we are called to respond to this, right? Some of you might be sitting here, and maybe this is new information to you. Uh, maybe you are even... Uh, for a period of time, you've, you've kind of been kicking the tires of Christianity and you're, you're checking it out a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to rehearse all of the evidence of why the resurrection is true. Okay, we're going to have this assumption knowing this belief that it is true. 
But we do have a gift for those of you this morning who uh, are on the edge or are curious to learn more about it. If, if you are one of those people, we have a booklet for you to take home with you titled The Case for Easter, A Journalist Investigates the Evidence for the Resurrection. And I want to encourage you that if you are curious about the resurrection of Jesus that we're talking about, that we're celebrating this morning, I'd encourage you to take one of these home and allow, these, allow this to just, I challenge you to, to think about it and contemplate it. Because the resurrection, it does demand a response. I remember, uh, well, just here recently, I, I learned that... Uh, a couple of my youngest boys, my youngest boys, the twins, that they had been passing notes in their school class here recently. And I was then reminded of back in the day when I would pass notes, right? How many of you, I mean, this is like old school, right? Now y'all just text, right? right? But, but we actually used to use pen and paper to like write the, do these things called notes. And if there was a cute girl in cat class and you wanted her to be your girlfriend, right? What would you do? And this is in middle school. Well, I sh my kids are here, so now they're hearing all of my secrets, right? But this would be like in middle school, and, and you would say, right, you would write a note to them and, and say, will you be my girlfriend? And you would say, yes. You would say, circle one, right? Yes, no, or what? Maybe. Yeah, so you all wrote those notes too, all right? Right, and so we, we always had that maybe because we wanted the opportunity, right? There was, we wanted to know that at least it wasn't a no, there was still a chance. Well, with, when it comes to this, maybe this morning, um, Many of us have, have said, yes, we believe in the resurrection. Uh, what we're talking about this morning is probably for some of those of you who are, are knows, maybe in your heart you have hardened your heart toward that. I want to invite you to allow your heart to be softened a little bit. And as well, for some of you who are maybes, who are like, I'm still trying to figure it out. You see, what the author here what the Apostle Paul tells us here is that this resurrection demands a response. Either you believe in it or you don't believe in it. Ultimately, right, that at the end of your life, it's, 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 it's going to boil down to that. It's not going to be based on, on, on how many job promotions you've gotten, right? It's not going to be based on how big your house is or how wonderful your retirement is if you make it that long. It's all going to boil down to this. What is your response to Jesus' resurrection? I mean, this is, this is such an important topic that all of us need to take this into consideration because our eternal destiny lays in the balance here. Our forgiveness of our sin, our, our reconciliation with a loving and our heavenly Father, it's all here on on, and, and maybe won't do it in that day. All right? Maybe won't cut it. And so the Apostle Paul, he invites us, he, he tells us, look there in verse 9, there, get back your copy of God's word. He says, if you believe, right, if you, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, you will be saved. Right? The instruction here, the right response is to believe. The right response is to believe that the resurrection, that Jesus indeed walked out of that grave, walked out of that tomb, and is living still, ascended back up into heaven. 
where he's seated there at the right hand of the Father. And there's a day coming when Jesus will return. And the Bible tells us that that what we believe to be true in our hearts, it says that it overflows through our words. Did you notice? Did you catch it there? It says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, right? That's not two separate activities. Instead, those are like two, two, two of the same side, two, two sides of the same coin. The heart and the mouth, they're not at odds with the other. It's just a natural overflow out of your mouth. The heart speaks, right? It's it's that time where where maybe you've been able to, to hide your true opinion of someone long enough and then your heart overflows in your mouth and your, the, the true thoughts of your heart come out of your mouth. And so we see here is that when we, we believe it in our heart and we confess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's, that's when we respond to this truth. And we say, I know and I believe that Jesus indeed is alive. And then I was struck a few weeks ago uh, reading this passage. I want you to now look there at verse 11. Notice what it says, right? For those of us who, who believe Jesus' resurrection to be true, look at verse 11. It says, as Scripture says, and this is an Old Testament passage that the author brings into play here. It says, as Scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Some translations that you might have, another way of saying it is is that they will never be disappointed. That anyone who believes in Jesus will never be disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed in life? Have you ever experienced disappointment, right? Maybe some of you college students, right? You had hoped to get into a degree program and maybe for some reason you didn't make the cut and you're, you're disappointed. Maybe you had hoped to, maybe you've graduated from college and you're a little bit older and and maybe you're entering into your, your midlife and you're experiencing a midlife crisis. And why is that? Because now what you had hoped life would turn out to be like maybe isn't matching up. And there's disappointment there. I've even heard from, from some of you who uh, have gotten into that retirement age, right? That's kind of what we all dream of, right? We, we've tried, we want to just get to retirement. Then it's all going to be rosy. And even at times you get to that, that stage of life and you realize uh, this isn't all it cracked up to be either. It seems that more often than not, our lives are marked by disappointment. Disappointment in, in one way or another. But here we see that those who believe in Jesus will never be disappointed. Now, is it talking about that in this life, that, that maybe, maybe there'll be that time where, oh, I had hoped, I, I had hoped that would work out and, and that didn't work out, or I had hoped my team would win the championship and that didn't work out, right? Yes, yeah, certainly we will experience that disappointment, but he's speaking to an end-of-the-life disappointment, that when you reach the end of your life, 
you won't be disappointed because Jesus will meet you here. He gives us here several reasons why we will not be disappointed. First, though, before we look at those three reasons, the big idea for this morning's sermon is this, is that those who believe in the risen Jesus will not be disappointed. Those who believe in the risen Jesus will not be disappointed. And the, the, the passage, the Apostle Paul who wrote this, he's going to give us several reasons why we won't experience that disappointment. The first is because we have a certain salvation. The second is because there's an open invitation to all. And the third is that that salvation is followed by a rich blessing. A certain salvation, an open invitation, and a rich blessing. Let's look first then at the certain salvation. Right, it's a certain salvation because Jesus is the one who saves us. Jesus is the one who saves us. Look there again at verse 9. He says that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what happens? You will be saved. There's a certainty to it. And then on into verse 10, it says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith, and what? And are saved. You see, there's a certainty to this salvation, but it's not because it's based on you and me. It's because it's based on everything that Jesus has done for us there on the cross of Calvary. How many of you woke up this morning being reminded that you made another mistake this week. Thank you for your honesty there, Elijah. (laughs) Right? If we all had that childlike faith, all of us would have both of our hands up in the air, wouldn't we? Even this morning, someone came to me just sharing with me how they had messed up this week. The beauty is, is that our salvation is not dependent on that roller coaster of our lives. But it's based on the on the work, the completed work of Jesus Christ there on the cross of Calvary. And it's a certain salvation. You see, I mean, right. If the level of our faith were the deciding factor in our salvation, then we would have no assurance in our salvation. Right? I don't know about you. I mean, I do have days. There are those days few and far between when I might feel like Moses on the mountaintop. But it's almost like the next day I feel like King David in the pit of despair. I have weeks when my faith is bold and courageous I have weeks when my faith is timid and doubting. There are times when I have seasons of strong, enduring faith, and there are seasons of a struggling, splintering faith. But you see, the certainty of my salvation is not according to what the the barometer reading of the degree of my faith is. That's That's not what determines the certainty of my salvation, it's because of what Jesus Christ has already done for me and that I was willing to believe that to be true and receive it and surrender my life to that. 
church, hear me on this. Hear, hear me, hear me out on this, okay? Your salvation is it's it's completed, it's done, it's certain in Christ Jesus, and it's not in what you can or can't have or haven't done. This week, I had a conversation with a um, with a farmer. It's not my dad. He was a farmer, so if you think it's my dad, that's not him. They're not here. They're visiting family this week. I was having a conversation with another gentleman, an area farmer here in town. And um, we were talking about Jesus, and he, he made this wonderful statement. He said, you know, Michael, he said, when it comes to Christianity and Jesus, he said, my faith on a scale of zero to ten, 10 being like Moses, right? That mountaintop experience. He said, when it comes to my faith on a level of about zero to 10, he said, I am typically about a three and a half to a four. He said, occasionally, maybe I'll find myself feeling like maybe I'm a six, but then I'll get kicked in the teeth and I'll drop back down to a three and a half and a four. And that's kind of where I stay. Church, just let me tell you this. You're better off having a faith of a three and a half and a four that is rightly placed in Jesus Christ than having a faith that is a ten placed in yourself. The Bible tells us to have a childlike faith. To have the faith of a child. The Bible tells us to have the faith that is the size of a mustard seed. And so this morning, as, as you sit there and as you contemplate the resurrection, and even as you contemplate, what is my response to this resurrected Jesus? Am I going to believe it to be true or am I going to continue to harden my heart toward it? My encouragement to you is don't wait until you have all of your answer, all of your questions answered. Because if you wait until you have all your questions answered, you'll never get saved. None of us would, because we all have questions, don't we? But instead, to bring that three and a half to four person, that level of three and a half to four faith, bring it to the, the empty tomb and say, I believe in you, Jesus. Here again, the certainty of this believer's salvation there at the end of verse 9. It says, you will be saved. You will be saved. You will be saved from your sin. You will be saved from your shame. You will be saved from your regret. You'll be saved from your disobedience before a holy God. You will be saved from an eternal punishment in a very real place called hell. You will be saved from all of that. And it's a certainty of our salvation. Next we see there's an open invitation. Again, Paul is telling us that those who believe in the risen Savior will not be disappointed. You'll get to the end of your life and you'll realize <laughs> it was worth it all. It was worth it all. The second reason we'll not be disappointed is because there's an open invitation. Take note of verse 12. What does it say? It says, for there is, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. 
there's an open invitation that's extended to everyone to believe in this resurrected Savior. We all know what it's like not to be invited to a party, don't we? Right? Maybe there's been an occasion where you've been scrolling through your social media feed late on a Friday night, and you notice that some of your friends are posting pictures about a fun evening they all had together. Pictures that are filled with smiles and laughter, good food and entertainment, right? The type of evening that many of us think friends are made for. And then as you're scrolling through and you're seeing all these pictures of your friends having fun, you you realize, wait a second, they're having fun without me. Why didn't I get the invitation? Have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever had that sense? Are you familiar with that sinking feeling of being left out? Have you ever had that that sense of being forgotten or discarded? Maybe you've had moments, maybe you've even had days or seasons when you've felt unwanted. The great hope of these verses is that not only is There's certainty in the salvation because of Jesus, but there's an open invitation to everyone. There's an open invitation to everyone to believe in this. In these verses, we see, what do we see? The big heart of God. We see how big, how deep, how how wide, how deep, how long, how high God's love is for us. We see that With this message of a risen Savior, we see the expansive welcome mat that God has laid out for all who are willing to believe. It's helpful to recognize that there's a steep social and spiritual um, barrier that existed between the Jew and the Gentile. We read over that and we, we don't truly capture Uh, or or even understand the deep hostility and the suspicion that, that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles of this day. To simply say that the Jews and Gentiles just didn't get along would have would be a severe understatement. But Jesus, however, he broke down the wall of hatred between the two rival groups, and he paved the ways for the Jews and the Gentiles alike to believe and to receive salvation. The Bible tells us that this good news of a resurrected Jesus, of a resurrected Savior, is for everyone. And why is it for everyone? It's for everyone because we all have have a primary need to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. He's not shutting people out because we all have this need. We all have sin. We all have shame. We all have guilt. We all have regret. And we all have have allowed our lives to be distanced from this heavenly father. But through Jesus Christ, we're forgiven of that. And we can now enter into the throne room of grace of a heavenly father's whose love for us far exceeds any love we have ever known. So this very day, this invitation to believe in the risen Savior is available to each and every one of us sitting here this morning. This invitation 
is available as we see for Jews and Gentiles. If I might put it into the context of today a little bit more, it's available for those who are Democrats and Republicans. This invitation is available for the wealthy and the poor. This invitation is extended to those who find themselves to be uber successful and those who might find themselves to think of themselves as nothing but high school dropouts. This invitation is extended to those who feel like they are moral and they've got it all together. This invitation is extended to those who know their own sin and how immoral they really are. And wonder of wonders, church, this invitation is even for the Cardinals fans and the Wildcat fans. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Right. The good news of forgiveness of sin through through faith in Jesus Christ is for everyone. The only reason. The only reason you will be left out. Is if you refuse to believe. That's it. Right, the ball is in your court. The decision needs to be made. All are invited. And then finally, the third reason why we will not be disappointed is because Paul tells us that there's a rich blessing in store. The third reason why believers and the risen Savior won't be disappointed is because God richly blesses those who call on his name. Look there at verse 12 of chapter 10. It says, the same Lord is Lord of all. Open invitation there. The same Lord is Lord of all. And what does he do? He richly blesses all who call on him. You know, I know our tendency is to think of blessings in material ways, right? In material terms. We describe ourselves blessed when the boss gives us the pay raise, We describe ourselves as being blessed because maybe we've closed on the purchase of that dream home, right? We we describe ourselves as blessed because life is indeed turning out like we had hoped it would. But these are not material blessings that are being spoken of here. Instead, the rich blessings that will not disappoint are those of a spiritual nature, These spiritual blessings are are of far greater importance than any physical blessing that you might receive. Because those physical blessings, what happens? They eventually rust, right? That car that several years ago you said, man, God has really blessed me with this new sweet ride. Can I tell tell you something? Eventually, that car is going to be a curse to your name. Because it will start to nickel and dime you, and, it, and, and you'll get to know your mechanic by the name of Brad very well. Can I get a witness, Brad? Right? Yeah, man. Right? Because it all eventually falls apart, all of the physical blessings, material wealth. But these are spiritual blessings that are speaking of, being spoken of. In fact, it is possible to be overflowing in material wealth 
but still be bankrupt in your soul. But not if you believe in Jesus, the risen Savior. Why? Because he won't disappoint you. The spiritual blessings which God loves to pour out on sinners who believe in the risen Savior, they include the fact that you are no longer condemned because of your sin. That Jesus, that, that God the Father doesn't look on you with disfavor, but, in, but instead he smiles over you. We also have the spiritual blessing of the Holy Spirit who's indwelling us. What a, what a wonderful spiritual blessing. We've been given a helper and a guide to help direct us to be near to us. It's the very presence of God. A couple days ago, I caught just a few minutes of the Masters Golf Tournament. How many of you enjoy watching the Masters Golf Tournament? I guess I'm a lonely person here, right? Thank you. I don't watch golf the rest of the year. I do like catching a little bit of the Masters not only that, it encourages me in my lawn care, right? I think, wow, maybe my yard can look like that. I was watching the Masters for just a few moments, and I saw the, and they had a microphone on, on two of the golfers, and, or on the golfer and his caddy, and you could hear the interaction between the caddy and the golfer. And the caddy is someone who has studied the golf course. They know the golf course. And what's the caddy doing? He's giving advice to the golfer. And the caddy is saying, well, I think if, if, if we shoot over here and we'll get this lay and, and it will roll back and then we'll be. And, and, and I thought to myself, that's like the Holy Spirit in us, right? Here, God has given us our own personal caddy. Right now, you will you will watch golf, and every time you watch golf and see that caddy, you'll think the Holy Spirit lives in me. Right? You'll ju you'll just think of that now. And 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 that's a spiritual blessing, is that we've been given a comforter, we've been given a guide, we've been given someone to help give us instruction, and then whether or not we listen to them or not is up to us. But we have this Holy Spirit. That's a spiritual blessing. Another spiritual blessing is that we are adopted as a member of God's family. Right? Some of us, we can be disappointed by members of our own family. Have you ever been disappointed by a member of your family? Maybe some of us have, have never even known our biological family. Or maybe, maybe we've never known what it's like to have a loving dad. Or a loving mother. But here, one of the rich spiritual blessings that we will never be disappointed is to know that we are adopted into an eternal family where our Heavenly Father is the perfect Heavenly Father. I could go on and on and on to talk about the rich spiritual blessings. But we'll stop there knowing that you won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed. And so this is what Paul is speaking of, right? He's, he's presenting to us, he's saying, what's your response to this Easter Sunday? What's your response to the resurrected Savior? To the fact that Jesus, this historical reality, that Jesus is alive. 
that so much of human history was changed, so much of human history was modeled, so much of, of, of the human history that we even know today was impacted by the fact that, that, that Jesus rose again. How will you respond? Those who respond in belief will never be disappointed. And at the end of your life, you have to ask yourself that question. You will have to be forced to understand, to face the decision that you did or you did not make. Do you believe in Jesus' resurrection, your eternal destiny, my eternal destiny? It all hinges on what you believe and where you place your faith. There's no maybes allowed. Either you believe the resurrection of Jesus to be true or you don't. For those who believe will never be disappointed. A couple weeks ago, I was here at the office I, my office, um, I do spend occasional time here in the office, kind of cooped up in that little place back there. It's hard for me because sometimes I, um, I'll stare at my laptop and I will fall asleep. Okay, just true confessions, right? Have you ever fallen asleep? Okay, good, so I'm not the only one. Thank you, Vonda. Um, and I was here and uh, I was kind of, in and out a little bit, and I had actually left my phone at home. I had forgotten my phone. I didn't leave it on purpose. I had forgotten my phone at home, which can be a blessing sometimes, right? Kind of remove those distractions. So as I was uh, back there in my office, I had the door closed, and I'm working. Um, my eyes were getting heavy. My legs just happened to kind of get propped up on my, on my desk there. And all of a sudden, and that just happens naturally. Like, I didn't do that on purpose, you know. Of course, that just, right, just sleep in my sleep. And as I'm, I'm, I'm awake, awoken from this bit of slumber by loud pounding on the back door. And uh, there are some squirrely characters that sometimes hang out back there on that loading dock. Typically, it is not my practice. I typically do not open the door. There's various reasons. I won't divulge all the reasons why I typically don't open the back door. But this pounding continued. And, I'm, and so it woke me up. And so I'm, at, I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm saying, Lord, not today, not today. Like, God, Yes, maybe I should go open that door, but I've got a lot that I need to catch up from because I just took a nap. I've got a lot that I need to catch up on now. And this pounding continued on that door. It moved from the door to the garage door that rattled even more. And I'm thinking, and these are real thoughts that I'm having, would you just give it up? I'm speaking to the person on the other side of that garage door who's pound, 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 pound. Would you just give it up? 
and I refused to move. It continued. And we're, we are talking 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I actually, at one point, I got up and I walked into the kitchen, into the hallway, thinking that if I walk here, at least it won't be as loud. I won't hear as, as much. And hopefully, in the meantime, they'll go away. And so I opened the refrigerator doors to see if Sandy had left, in, left any leftovers in there from a recent church potluck. There wasn't any in there, so I found a bag of chips, and I'm munching on chips. And then I thought, I'll go back. I went back in my, in my, in my office, and the pounding continued. I was about to put my earphones in. They call them earbuds these days, right? I was about to put them in. Why? To turn up the music, to drown out the pounding. When I heard a voice yell through the crack of that garage door, Dad! I got up from my chair and I ran back to that door so fast. It was Thatcher who was standing on the outside of that door with my dad. I ran to that door so fast and I swung that thing open and I about hit Thatcher square in the face. Why? Because I came to realize that I had been ignoring the pounding. I'd been ignoring the attempt of someone who loves me to get my attention. Later, I, I learned that they had actually started pounding on the front doors, but that's when I was taking a nap. And for all that time, I'm doing all, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing someone trying to get my attention, pounding, trying to, to, to be reunited with me, to share with me some news. That whole time, I'm doing all that I can do to hold it at bay. Only to find out that on the other side was someone who loves me church let me speak specifically to those who don't believe the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and is knocking and maybe you have yet to believe in the, G in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and maybe you have even done all that you can do to drown out the knock that you hear at the door of what your heart even right now. Let me plead with you to let him in. To believe. The Bible says right here in front of us, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a certainty about it 
It's an invitation that's extended to all of us, and it's an invitation then that when we believe, it's followed up by rich blessing. And in all of that, you won't be disappointed. So I ask you today, do you believe that Jesus is alive and is a trustworthy Savior? Do you believe that Jesus walked out of that tomb? If so, what are you waiting for? Young man, young woman. Those who have heard this message maybe for the umpteenth time but have never bent the knee, what are you waiting for? You can begin in such a simple way. Lord Jesus, you can pray, you can confess it with your mouth in a simple way just to say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I have need of a Savior. And today, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are alive. Won't you come into my heart today? You can make that decision right where you're sitting. Doing it now, doing it as we sing, even if after the service you'd like to talk about this more, finding myself or the, the person who you came with or Pastor Dan or Michael Fay or one of the ladies that helped lead us in singing this morning. This is an invitation that's open to us and it is of great importance. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be offering a class on baptism. Because baptism really is that next step. You might say, hey, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. The next step to that is what? Is to be baptized. It's a public proclamation that you believe Jesus walked out of that tomb. And my instruction, my encouragement is that if you believe this to be true, and if you've never been baptized, that you would participate in this class that Pastor Dan is offering to us. So that you then can enter into that next step of obedience to the Lord. And that you would participate in that. Church, those who believe in the risen Savior will never be disappointed. Would you close with me in prayer? Father, I just pray now for the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to do his wonderful work in our hearts. God, those uh, who have believed in the past, God, I pray that this would be uh, a word of, a, of, of encouragement to them. God, I pray for those who even right now are teetering on that edge of belief, trying to figure out, is it time for me to, to swing the door open and to respond in faith. God, I pray that your spirit would do its wonderful work. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the risen Savior. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we will not be disappointed. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've responded.